Hello and welcome to Talking Uretina, the official podcast of the European Society of Retina Specialists, Uretina. I'm Jonathan McRae. Every fortnight, we bring you the latest news from the Society, expert discussions and interviews with leading experts from the world of retina and beyond. In this episode, we'll look back at the highlights of the main stage sessions from the Uretina Congress in Hamburg. For those of you who may have missed it, even though it's in the past, with the magic of technology, you can still register and watch back all of the content online at uretina.org. We're going to start off the podcast talking to Alistair Laidlaw, Uretina president. Alistair, you're very welcome. I know so much work goes into the annual Congress. Were you worried about the return of an in-person event? Yes, Jonathan, of course we were. Um, it's been two years when people have been doing things online. Different congresses around Europe have had different levels of face-to-face attendance. So, for example, in some countries, things have been down to about a third of normal. In others, it's been up at about 70% of normal. We're obviously hoping for that. So we were very pleased with the attendance. We ended up with 4,500 people in Hamburg in the conference centre. That's mainly delegates. There's some industry there. Um, On top of that, uh, we had about 2,000 people online. Now, people attend online for many reasons. Some people can't come. Um, They've got family or work commitments. Uh, Other people choose not to come. Um, And some people like our colleagues in Ukraine couldn't possibly have come. Uh, So there's lots of reasons for online attendance, but we were very, very pleased with the way it turned out. The conference centre was also absolutely beautiful. It had been newly refurbished. Uh, It was beautifully set up and run, um, easy to get around, great halls. Yeah, and lots of uh, new initiatives in in, in terms of sustainability. The the bike scheme seemed to work extremely well. And there was a real buzz around the both party as well, which seemed to be quite the hit with delegates. Um, What what did you make of the Congress? What was your um, overall impression of the few days? Well, I thought it was very good. I thought we offered a, a, a really good mix. Um, in the last year or so, we've introduced the sections, which are each of the obvious subjects in retina, vitreoretinal, uveitis, tumours, AMD, diabetes and vascular, etc., etc. So each of the sections contributed the main retina sessions. Uh, and on top of that, there was always some content at a, uh, a more basic level for people who were learning retina for the first time or who wanted to step out of their usual area of comfort, be it AMD or diabetes, in something about, about which they weren't quite as comfortable like tumours or uveitis. If you back that up with the all-day uveitis course, which typically runs on the first day of the Congress, that's an amazing uh, institution. It's been running for about 15 years now. They have about 100 to 200 people in the audience, and they typically run from about 10 in the morning till 7 at night. They cover the whole of UVIs in a day, uh, an amazing resource for learning from. All the Congress content is available online to members until the end of the year. So anything you've missed, you can catch up with. What were your scientific highlights? What were the things that made you really think, this is new, this might change how I do things? Well, I think the most exciting development that was coming out uh, in the Congress was the release of um, information on the effectiveness of some drugs for geographic atrophy. Now, these may not as yet turn into clinically meaningful benefit. They seem to give people about an extra six months, but in scientific terms, that's amazing because we've got 
for the first time, some way of targeting what is the biggest cause of sight loss in the AMD population. And as a scientific development, we've started to get a foothold in being able to alter the disease progression on that. So that, to me, was amazing stuff um, that really does herald development for the future. The other thing was there was a lot of information about fericimab, which is a new uh, drug that's come out. Um, it's now going to be marketed in Europe, uh, and so it's going to be available to all of us to use. And there was a lot of data on that, and that is going to turn into real-world clinical practice change for many of the clinicians who attend. It's going to be a really valuable alternative, a question of time, post-marketing um, experience, and it's going to tell us where it fits into the niche because we already have very good drugs but if it does turn out as promised, which is a more durable treatment, that's going to make a big difference to lots of people. When um, a new drug seems to have an effect, does that often trickle down to a greater precision and better quality drugs? You talked about geographic atrophy in uh, AMD. Does that, that new therapy or that new discovery, does that often lead to better refinement, more ideas as to what is causing it and the underlying mechanism, does that often start the journey to, to much better treatment? Yeah, I think it does, because the, the whole thing is an iterative cycle. So, you know, these drugs are acting on the complement system. People are targeting complement in, in the modification of geographic atrophy. And now other people are going to be looking into that area, finding new molecules um, and establishing that. The, the other thing that I think is very useful about something like Uretina is that you've got a body of opinion there in terms of independent experts. And so you can get information on the effectiveness of these drugs in terms of the clinical effectiveness of the other drugs that are available. I think this is the benefit of our evidence-based approach in Uretina, that we're able to contrast and compare the, um, the new technologies with the old. So, for example, a flibercept works very well on a treat-and-extend regime, but frisimab wasn't compared to a flibercept on a treat-and-extend regime. So you've got to put all this in context in terms of where it's going to fit into the niche. I think this is one of the, the unique selling points of Uretina, because it's independent of industry in much of the content that's delivered, we're able to give people independent, scientific, clinically valid opinion. And we're revitalizing the, um, the guidelines program in order to do that, to really provide the clinician at their desktop with the information they need when they're facing a patient. Make your retina a relevant organization year round rather than just at the, the annual Congress. And I think you're absolutely right. That lived experience of experts who have seen drugs and how they perform in patients and have tried different things with other patients, that's very hard to find in any one official place. And that's what's great about societies like you, Retina. You bring people together and, and that shared learned experience of experts dealing with new therapies, treating these diseases and seeing the results for themselves is invaluable. 
Yeah, I think so. And if you go back, I mean, we've we've had previous podcasts on this. Uh, Rainer Schlingerman was talking about Flibberset versus Frisimab in a previous podcast, which I remember you chairing. And we have the debates as well, talking, giving the pros and cons. And the debate angle, which uh, Nat Lowenstein has been promoting debates as part of the, uh, the Retina online offering, that's a really good way. Because you get people to have to take extreme positions for the purposes of making a case. And so they have to bring out all the different factors for, to compare and contrast. So I think it's a very valuable uh, way of spreading information. We're going to hear from Ramin and Kuros in a bit about their highlights of the Uretina sessions. But what was your favorite session that if people are listening now and they didn't catch it, they have to go watch? Well, I'm a vitreoretinal surgeon. I went along to a session. It was Ziggy um, Prudinger uh, and Heinrich Hyman who were chairing this thing on teaching vitrectomy. And I teach people vitrectomy all the time. But it was absolutely amazing. It was superb use of audiovisual experts and a panel. And the backwards and forwards, the discussion, it really did highlight the value of a face-to-face -face live environment much better than you'll get with live surgery these were selected videos of things that were going on um so that was absolutely superb and that was at a sort of a teaching end there wasn't much new information that it was aiming to teach people how to do a, a basic vitrectomy on the other end of the scale again uh, from a vitreoretinal viewpoint we had a fantastic session that was chaired by carlos pastor from spain and johnny smith from the uk and it was in terms of management of silicon oil complications. This was a real in-depth research-based dive into why this device that we commonly use uh, in vitreoretinal surgery has many problems associated with it. Um, and this is a one hour in detail look at the chemical factors, uh, facts about viscosity and emulsification, the biochemical and um, uh, pathophysiological effect on membranes, and also uh, a discussion of why we need to be interested in the toxicity of devices in vitreoretinal surgery. If we look around the program a bit more, we had the case clubs. Now, these used to be called difficult and interesting cases, but we've because this uh, this allies with the um, the case clubs that we put out every month uh, on the uh, the web offering, uh, we've put case clubs uh, as a title into the program. And um, there was a very, very good series of these. We had three in total plus a fourth, uh, which wasn't uh, labels as a Uretina case club. Adnan and Tufail and Rainer Schlingerman um, chaired the first one. Other people chaired other ones, um, and these were really very successful. Case-based teaching is a great way of learning for yeah. people. Um, because you're dealing with not hypothetical, but real cases and uh, real people trying to address the issues, and you find out what happened at the end, which is always the element of a great story. Well, you do, and also there's all the discussion of practical use of imaging. You've got all the differential going on. You've got the experts speaking, so there's a real infotainment angle to them. We had a fantastic late-breaking session. Um, this is new science being brought to the meeting for the first time. I'm delighted to say that at Uretina this year, we had first announcement of some of the outcome of, of drugs on um, for geographic atrophy. That's a, a big first for the Uretina meeting to be a, a venue where important new data are presented. Mm. Um, 
one of the problems was that there was just so much in the program that an individual that was present in Hamburg couldn't conceivably see all of it. Yeah. Uh, and this is the great advantage of it being available streaming uh, up until the end of the year. So we had World Retina Day with something like 25 symposia. We had the keynote lectures, which really were first class from superb people who deserved the honor. We had the Yours session. Uh, yours always run a great day, uh, including the ophthalmological lecture. Great fun, great science, great inclusiveness in that. Uh, and also Yours put on a Uretina exam course. And if I can quickly just plug the exam, which is the first uh, city in which is going to be next year. And there's a lot of content in the uh, in the conference this year, which would be the, the core knowledge for the exam if people want to look around and find that. Well, as always, Alistair Laidlaw, you Retina president, thanks very much for joining us. And I'll leave you back to uh, what is, I'm sure, a well-earned holiday. Thanks, Alistair. Many thanks indeed, Jonathan. Now, it gives me great pleasure to welcome back uh, Professor Ramin Tadioni to the podcast, Uretina President-Elect and Professor of Ophthalmology at Université de Paris in France. He is also Head of Department at La Reboisière, Saint-Louis and Adolphe de Rothschild Foundation Hospitals. We're also joined by Kouros Rezai, Associate Professor of Ophthalmology at Rush University Medical Center and a partner at Illinois Retina Associates in Chicago. He is a Retina board member and a member of our VR subspecialty group too. Well, Ramin, how did you enjoy the Congress? Thank you, Jonathan. I really enjoyed the meeting. There was so many new information there and all the sessions re- were really fantastic. So I really enjoyed seeing again colleagues, but also the content of our sessions. Kouros, this is your first meeting as a board member, I believe. And I know American meetings have been in person for some time. Did this one feel any different to you? Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. I think this was the uh, largest meeting I've gone to since COVID. I've gone to an academy, read the World Congress, a few meetings before this, but this was, I think, somewhere around three, 4,000 people participating live, which I think was one of the largest. And I think it's interesting, uh, you know, you appreciate things when you don't have them. And during COVID time, we did not have the face-to-face meetings anymore. Although the educational component could be conveyed virtually, we missed the having the uh, human contact and actually meeting face-to-face, which I think adds a significant dimension of every conference. And I just want to congratulate uh, you, Retna, and the organizers for putting a, to, together this large meeting after a pandemic in such a successful manner. And I think it was fantastic. Yeah, there seemed to be such a buzz about the the meeting. And I think a lot of that is to do with seeing people, uh, their whole bodies for once, as opposed to just their heads on a screen. So it's great to have you both with us to walk through some of the highlights from the main stage and the Uretina sessions. Rumin, I'll hand over to you. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, Kuros, we I think we both enjoyed really very much some of the session we were together. And I'm sure there are other sessions you will highlight. One of them was the late breaking, which is more and more important at uh, our Euratina meeting. So what was your feeling about this session? Uh, I agree, Ramin. Uh, Late breaking is a really important component of the Euratina because it provides you the most cutting edge. As it says, it's late breaking. So sometimes the data is just released a week or two weeks prior to the meeting. And many times retina specialists do not have not had a chance to look at that data or analyze that data. And this gives them an opportunity to be presented with some of the leaders in the field. For example, we had the data on the KSI 301 by Dr. Kanani about the 
biopolymer conjugate in vein occlusion or also the data presented on the uh, uh, the NFS02 AAV vector for the gene therapy for the uh, liver's hereditary optic neuropathy by Dr. Lee. And, uh, you know, uh, our past president, uh, Frank Holtz, who presented the Oxen Derby uh, data on geographic atrophy from Apelles. And again, this all just a, some of, a sample of some of the cutting-edge scientific data presented, which I think is always good. You know, as retina specialists, you want to have a lot of options for treatment. And it's always good to present the most cutting-edge data that has just become available. I fully agree. And also, I find that this late-breaking session covers very diverse area coming from biosimilars to drugs that are not yet available, but they may be in, in the very near futures. And also some uh, data we are awaiting for the drugs that are coming to the market very, very soon. So I think that was very interesting to cover all this different aspect of innovation that is coming in our field. And there's many of them. I um, agree. And I think the 2022, I think the timing was perfect. And as you pointed out, for example, biosimilars, another, and I think not many people completely really understand the biosimilars, the role of the biosimilars, how it's going to play into our armamentarium. And I think you presented the data, and I think that was really interesting to have an to have a better understanding how this is going to shape our treatment of patients in the near future. I like those oh, many other sessions. So uh, one of them we can talk is the retinal session that you organized. And uh, in this this year's session, what I liked very much is that pre people in some of the presentation honestly presented problems that they had during the surgery or difficulties as is expected in a retinal session. And that's very useful to have this honest discussion because all of us may have difficult time during the surgery and it's good to hear colleagues how they manage it and have the lively discussion we had this. How was your feeling about this session of retinals? Yeah, again, I agree. I think... These are the sessions I personally learned the most uh, just listening and learning from colleagues because the things you do well, you already know. So there is not a lot more learning there. But when you, when you confront with a challenging case or something that is more difficult, it would be very interesting to see how people manage it and also have a diverse panel from around the world to present their aspect. And as you know, there are many ways to skin the cat and there are different ways how people do things in Europe, how they do it in the US, how they do it in Japan and putting all the panelists in, in one room and discuss their angle of how things are done, I think provides uh, a great experience, a learning experience. And on top of that, we had, we were lucky to be able to provide a 3D, a three-dimensional session, which I think adds to the experience of seeing how actually surgery is uh, done. I, I agree. I, I really feel that these are the two extremes, the late-breaking one side and the eternal and always problem of surgeon that we have in the two extremes of our practice. Uh, I was also involved in the myopia session. And what I like in such specialized session is that we were able to have people who are really involved on the front line of what they are talking about. We have David Gaucher talking about uh, dome shape. He has been the one who has described it. And we had uh, uh, Ruiz Moreno talking about the ATN classification, and he has described it. Or Caroline, who co-chaired it, Caroline Clever, who talked about the myopic genetics, and she, she's in the front line. And all the people, I, 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 my feeling was that all the people know very well what they are talking about and share with us 
really the latest information uh, about the disease. Same for Kyokonematsuisa. I can't say all the people that were there, but all of them presented really the latest information in the field they are the best in. And that's a big chance to have them. Uh, and my feeling is that what you said is that it was good to see them in person because many people at the end of the session come close to them asking very specific questions, trying to have a conversation or begin research uh, program with them. And this is not really possible in virtual. What was your feeling about this session or other session that you liked that are very specialized but still very useful? I absolutely agree with you. I think that is one of the components that makes the Uretna program at the meeting very rich, that you provide diverse topics, but you have the field experts for each of those topics presenting and really into depth going into uh, each of the, for example, myopia, inherited retinal diseases, gene therapy, you know, detachment surgery, all of this. So you have, and then you have experts that really provide detailed information in a short amount of time, in about an hour or something to that effect, that you can learn everything you need to learn. And again, I think the learning process itself, at least for me, and I think for many others I've spoken with, is a lot easier when you are in person than when you're sitting in front of a computer. And one additional advantage is, as you pointed out, that you can afterwards ask questions and actually discuss with them after the meeting, you know, have a coffee with someone and just go over certain questions that you may have or a research project and so forth that you may not have during a virtual session. What other session you liked or you want to highlight? There was many of them. There are 16 sessions, main session from uh, your retina. There was award, there was retinos, there are symposiums. So there was many of the sessions uh, organized by your retina or by colleagues. Was, uh, is there any, any other that you want to highlight that you liked or presentation that you want to highlight also? You know, I think the AMD session was very interesting. Again, AMD is reaching an interesting point now where we may have potential treatment options for it. So I think that is an interesting session. So at the same time, it's also a little bit of a cutting edge because you have discussion of new treatment modalities. As you pointed out, imaging is very interesting because now you have a lot of new imaging modalities artificial intelligence, how that is going to help us assessing imaging, and obviously many surgical uh, topics, you know, complex retinal uh, detachment surgery and silicone oil, you know, these are all. And then on top of that, you also have case club where individual cases been discussed. So I think, again, as I said, a very rich program that, and that, and that basically is reflected the number of people who registered and the enthusiasm about the program because you can pretty much cover everybody's needs from educational perspective. I liked also the award lectures because the people who have this, they have more time to present and they make a, a more general presentation. I'd like very much uh, Catherine Cruzot-Garchet uh, presenting the outcome and the complication of surgery, macular surgery, uh, including the results she has found about the endophthalmitis rate depending on if you combine or not combine, which really have very practical uh, consequences in uh, when you explain to the patient what's happening. And um, I think th this is one, but there, is, there was three different awards, so I don't know how they, did you like them. And I found them very useful and informative uh, also. You know, one additional advantage they provide, as you said, is that they give you more time 
so you can go into more detail and many times provide also some historic background, how something started, why they did what they did, and over time, how the outcome led to the results they have. So it's not a short five-minute talk or a seven-minute talk, but it's more of a historic uh, presentation of a certain topic that I think is, again, agree that is very educational. Again, yeah. and that, again, provides a large spectrum. You know, you have different options, which I think is always great. You're absolutely right. In the presentation of Hiroko Terazaki, what I liked is what really you have the history of discovery of things. You see how with time she had discovered point after point and how she has really developed the concept of plasticity of the retina and retinal attachment. Uh, and this uh, doesn't appear in a regular presentation. It needs some kind of lecture that's really allowed this. And this, this, is, this is really very interesting to listen to. And having such a diverse, you know, having Hiroko from Japan presenting, having presented from Europe presenting, I think this is actually a very, uh, being an all-inclusive uh, meeting is one of the strengths of you right now and can be highlighted from the award sessions and the presentations and so forth. You, you are right. There was also the World Retina Day and in which you have presentation from different scientists coming from all over the world and many of them were high-quality presentation. I really liked them and they, they may somehow have a different perspective. So it was like a traveling to different meetings in different countries in the same day, <laughs> in the same time. I, I find it really fantastic. Did you like it too? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think that was a great idea to have different societies from around the world, have them all in one day present. And again, that just shows, you know, you have gone to many meetings, so you know that different parts of the world, a similar disease can be treated very differently. Everybody is very passionate about the way how they're treating it, and they think this is the right way. But for audience, it's very interesting to go and see these different ways and then make up their own mind how to do it. And again, this is a great service to have all of them present on the same day. And as you said, these are usually top-notch speakers who are presented or showcased by that society to represent them. And to finish, I find that your retina was fun too. And the late reception in the boat with the party, 1,000 ophthalmologists and others being there, partying all together before the end of the meeting was also really fun. And I think that's also part of the in-person meeting. It's just we work hard and at the end we have the pleasure to, to see people, to network in a, in a fun situation. You know, as you know, I like to say it's called a meeting. And the <laughs> point of the meeting is to meet and you know, it provides you to get to know people better and that getting to know people better allows you better networking, uh, better collaboration, better partnership on future projects. So I think you're hitting the uh, nail on the head that finishing with such a fantastic meeting and it was very well done. You know, it's not a, a gala dinner or things like it is a very casual atmosphere where around a thousand people can have fun, communicate and uh, network. And I think this is fantastic. So, Jonathan, we give you back the, the end of this discussion because otherwise we can't talk until tomorrow about all, all, all our experiences at your retina. <laughs> I want to hear more about the, the boat party. Everybody's talking about the boat party, but I'm not getting enough details. Um, maybe for the next time. Uh, Kuros and Ramin, thank you so much for your time uh, and looking back at some of the highlights. Uh, did you know you can still register for the Congress? That's happened already. You can get full access to the whole program online. If you missed the real thing, log on to uretinet.org 
no boat party there though I have to I have to say um, well that's it for this episode uh, if you would like us to cover anything on the podcast or have a question for our esteemed faculty do email us in podcast at uretina.org I'm Jonathan McRae thank you for listening I'll see you next time on Talking Uretina